Congress and make the argument that uh, we have pending subpoenas. We think that the uh, Congress under Article One has constitutional powers that Donald Trump is flagrantly violating. So we um, are going to extend and withhold that article of impeachment um, until we get uh, satisfaction from the courts. Because some of this impeachment uh, impasse is really about constitutional issues relating to the separation of powers. And Donald Trump has simply arrogated himself... Uh, well, I mean, he was compared to Jesus Christ during the uh, during the impeachment hearings. That was a signature bizarre moment. And then, of course, how precious, Louis Gohmert. I happened randomly to be listening to the live uh, congressional uh, discussion uh, on when the articles of impeachment were actually passed. The marathon. Uh, 18 hours. I don't know what an 18 hours, but it certainly it was a lengthy, lengthy session. Went on for 12 anyway. And Louis Gohmert, I mean, he he used his time to claim that the Ukraine invaded Georgia, and claim that Hillary Clinton was involved, and that there was treason by the other side. And I was kind of wondering where he got his talking points. So if Nancy Pelosi doesn't, uh, and I'm sure she'll pass these articles of impeachment on, but as I just suggested, I really think they should withhold Article 2 um, and go for the subpoenas, go through the court system, and force uh, Donald Trump. He loves to litigate. Well, over the... And the, and the Trump administration to defend their, their obstruction. Over the weekend, uh, an independent... Uh, journalistic group successfully uh, filed uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, documents to get some of these uh, communications uh, within the White House staff that have been, uh, you know, frozen by uh, Trump's absolute stonewall top to bottom on all matters of cooperation, whether they be witnesses or documents. And these emails show, apparently, uh, that... uh, you know, the official hold was put on the aid 90 minutes after the call. Mm-hmm. This is pertinent and relative information. And so it seems to suggest the possibility that there could even be additional articles of impeachment uh, drafted, voted upon sometime between now and whatever point it's turned over to the Senate. I, I think this is a great strategy, and I especially enjoyed the way that she used uh, Trump's own language sure. to leave his, this sort of hanging over his head with her sort of uh, ambiguous, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. Because that's what he always says. And uh, I'm in no rush. Yeah. And there is no rush. <laughs> no. Because uh, it's, it's Christmas break. I indeed. Mean, Congress is on break. <laughs> uh, I think that Nancy Pelosi ought to, like, you know, FedEx the articles of impeachment to the White House. And then maybe FedEx a copy of the impeachment uh, resolution to Vladimir Putin uh, so that he can do an after intelligence and uh, analysis <laughs> of his agents in place. 
who are dwelling in the Republican Party defending all this nonsense. Indeed. And apparently there's been... And of course he came out and had his interview. Oh, right. You know, he does this year-end meet the press thing. Apparently this year it lasted longer than ever. He made some vicarious comment about global warming that we don't need to get into, but of course... He adopted the Republican talking mm. points. Uh, there's been some interesting uh, studies lately that uh, compare and contrast what's being shown and presented uh, topic-wise, um, uh, item by item, on RT, Russia Television, the one of the current cable news uh, propaganda arms of uh, the uh, Russian state, uh, that seem to turn up in a whole piece on Fox and Friends. So I suspect there's, you know, we still haven't heard, uh, and this is another reason why uh, Nancy Pelosi's tactic of, well, we'll just sit on these for a little bit and see what happens. All the ongoing and continuing investigations, uh, Levin, Igor, and Rudy, that's a legal matter under consideration. Stormy Daniels and the hush money payments, that's an ongoing uh, legal concern. Uh, the, ta uh, the tax documents, uh, that'll be resolved by the courts uh, in due course. Um, but there are uh, lots of reasons why uh, waiting is a good thing. Yeah, and of course Mitch McConnell um, is known for obstruction. Uh, why he's upset about the fact that these articles aren't on, on his desk is somewhat hypocritical. I mean, let's remember he would not give Merrick Garland a hearing. Uh, I suspect that um, Mitch McConnell needs to get back to his gopher hole so that he can reemerge sometime around Groundhog Day and declare that there will be six more years of obstruction <laughs> because that's what he does, uh, both when he's in the, the position of majority leader uh, as we've seen, and also as minority leader, where he uses the filibuster to all kinds of um, strange uh, ends. I also thought it was fascinating that a bunch of legislation was sort of rammed through the system in the last week at the last second. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the stuff is a little wackadoodle, like the Space Force. Uh, Donald Trump was bragging about the Space Force in his uh, in his impeachment letter to Nancy Pelosi, you know, his six-page screed. Oh, that was an amusing document. Yeah. And belongs with the in in the Smithsonian Institution right next to the Declaration of Independence and the US Constitution. It it raises lots of questions about uh the emotional uh stability and intellectual capacities as though we didn't already know exactly. the answer to those questions and concerns but whereas you know nixon was a master of the succinct uh the american people deserve to know whether or not their president is a crook well i am not a crook which he which he uttered by the way shortly after the saturday night massacre indeed and of course <laughs> uh it turned out lo and behold he was a crook. But uh, through, sprinkled, sprinkled throughout uh, Trump's letter to Pelosi, which I was surprised it wasn't just written in crayon. Uh, that may have been the original document. Just so many weird little phrases. It is a terrible thing you are doing, but you will have to live with it, not I. Right. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. You view democracy as your enemy. Uh, this is completely unconstitutional. Well, actually, no. It's perfectly uh, constitutionally sound. Right. And then, of course, he has all kinds of strange assertions like, I have been far tougher on Russia than President Obama ever even thought to be. Well, not quite. Uh, yes, there have been sanctions placed on Russia, but that's uh, mainly, you know, the work of Congress. Uh, Donald Trump uh, signed the sanctions bill because it had a veto-proof margin. And you know how Donald Trump likes to win, you know. He would have looked a little... Uh, a week if he had if he had attempted to veto the sanctions bill and as well as not look good and then have Congress repudiate his Russia policy, which is still an ongoing work in progress. Uh, one of the most most troubling things that continues to percolate, in my opinion, in the uh, in the ongoing uh, debate uh, between the uh, entrenched uh, elements in, in the American political system is continuing disinformation about the Steele dossier. Mm. Uh, Trump keeps asserting that the Steele dossier led to the FBI investigation. This is false. The Steele dossier played no role in the origin of the FBI investigation. It did play a role in the media perception of Donald Trump with respect to connections between him and Russia, uh, if there was one mistake I believe that Nancy Pelosi may have made on this, these impeachment uh, hearings, was planning to have them right as the uh, Horowitz report was coming out, because that sort of got buried and then uh, the spin machines, the spin meisters went into full press mode to try and characterize the Horowitz report in different ways. And the Horowitz report, which was the inspector general, basically found out that there were mistakes made by the FBI, but that the overall process uh, was not politically biased, that there were legitimate reasons for concern. And the Steele dossier, just for the chronological factual information, was leaked to the media in January of 2017. It played no role in the election mm -hmm. or in the origin of the FBI report. It was a raw intelligence document compiled by Jonathan Steele, who, as it turns out, has connections to British intelligence, was an expert on the Soviet Union, had various sources, and Steele told the FBI what the document was raw intelligence. This is what I heard. One of the most interesting things about how the FBI got involved in investigating Donald Trump were the activities of Carter Page and intelligence that was gathered by Australia, by Germany. If you want to understand why Donald Trump is so hostile to Angela Merkel, Realized that the BND, the German intelligence um, agencies of, of, of Germany, found out about these contacts between Trump officials and Russians and reported it as an ally. Hey, what's going on here? 
<laughs> it should be noted also that Carter Page was red flagged because of prior yes. affiliations with known Russian agents. So it wasn't like he was singled out out of the blue or, oh, let's focus on this goofy guy from the Trump campaign uh, circle. Uh, he looks like an affable nitwit. Uh, no, he had a previous track record uh, of, of having, you know, been involved in conversations with known Russian agents. And he had worked with Russia. He was called a Russophile by all sorts of academics and intelligence figures for 10 years. Donald Trump has not explained why he hired Carter Page. Finally, the FBI Pfizer document that Horowitz looked at notes that Carter Page, the Pfizer uh, hearing that Congress, the Senate and Congress is still looking into and may reform, um, we don't know. That started in October of 2016. Not in the summer of 2016. Uh, this was after Carter Page had been unceremoniously thrown under the bus by Donald Trump after he had served his purpose. Mm -hmm. He visited the Soviet, excuse me, Russia. It's hard because it's the, hard to keep Putin them. Putin is such yeah. a throwback to the Soviet apparatus. I yeah. mean, it's. it's I keep making that mistake, too. Well, he worked for the KGB. Indeed. It's a very Soviet-style system that Putin has uh, up and running. And when you, when you, you know, do an analysis of real Russian history about the KGB, their main objective was to separate the United States from Western Europe. Mm -hmm. Now, who is performing that mission, uh, if I dare use the word? Seems that Trump is one of the greatest Christians of all time. Uh, we've been hearing over the weekend. Well, and on that note, I mean, there was a little bit of a, uh, yeah, the Christianity Today editorial, which, of course, people who are uh, critical of Trump, you know, oh, yeah, finally, there's a, a crack in that element of Trump's base. I, I don't know how widespread the concern amongst evangelicals really is about the ethical morass that is Donald J. Trump. I, I think it's important to remember that there may be a sizable number of what I'll call nominal Christians in the evangelical movement here in America who actually look at Russia with an admiring eye. Because sure. Putin has this strong man who has support, open and explicit support for the official state church, the Russian Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, church, Orthodox yep. church, which, of course, in, under communism was uh, suppressed and repressed and all that. Putin, you know, uh, correctly sees it as an element and an institution of old czarist style power um, in Russia. And I think that there probably are a shocking number of American evangelicals who admire that and think, oh, I wish our uh, dear leader would invoke uh, official church status upon our congregation. Uh, Putin's a protector of the Christian faith. So is Trump, uh, despite all the obvious evidence that both men are about as unchristian as uh, anyone could ever be depicted as. Well, certainly Trump. Um, New Testament's not a long uh, collection of pages. No. Read it over and see how Jesus behaves and then think about it a little. That's right. I mean, I Donald Trump's adherence to the Ten Commandments and Leviticus chapter 19 is uh, 
pretty uh, uh, pretty yeah. obvious that, yeah. that he he hasn't read those passages of the Bible. But you mentioned, of course, the Russian Orthodox Church. In fact, it's strange. There are actually these American cults that are uh, moving to Russia, mm-hmm. uh, setting up shop out in the Mongolian uh, steppes. I don't know where they, you know, Omsk. It's one of the greatest uh, <laughs> lines from uh, You Can't Take It With You. Uh, where are you from? Omsk. <laughs> Remember the wrestler? Yeah. That's a great movie. Uh, Omsk. Yeah, Omsk is in the middle of Russia near the Ural Mountains. Um, but, of course, what these American cults admire in Putin is his homophobia. His, his yeah, that's blatant. part of it, too. Yeah. And there are other right-wing... Uh, Eastern European leaders who the media brands as nationalists that have the same Poland is uh, is enduring that and at the Orban in, in Hungary they have mm-hmm. the same sort of c- connected agenda um, and uh, what Donald Trump is probably ultimately going to do even today's Wall Street Journal had a fascinating uh, demographic breakdown of how few millennials are actually Christian now uh, Donald Trump is going to do more to destroy Christianity than, well, Karl Marx. I don't know. <laughs> it might it might get close, but this uh, this letter to Pelosi, like I say, it should be called the Trumpian Manifesto. <laughs> the claims and the uh, baloney in it are are staggering. It's a kind of a rambling. Uh, it, it it I don't know. It reminds me of a school kid bragging about his uh, his uh, accomplishments. Um, it just goes on and on. It's yeah. not organized in, in any way. There's, you know, clearly there's no outline in place. It's just a series of. Uh, oh, and and another thing that's really got my goat is this. It's just a reiteration of you know three paragraphs earlier. Right, and it's uh, it's just a tirade, and it's got so many factual errors. It's uh, grounds for impeachment in, in and of itself. <laughs> the Federalist Papers, it ain't no. <laughs> And of course, you got to admire somebody that uh, brags about creating the space force, um, <laughs> which he mentions. He, he mentions one of his accomplishments uh, as though it were a, a done deal. <laughs> yeah, as, as do, though it were a done deal, and then it turned out to be a couple of days <laughs> later. But the first decline in prescription. This is this is what you got to love about the disconnectedness of Trump's brain. More than 170 new federal judges and two to the Supreme Court, historic tax and regulation cuts, the elimination of the individual mandate, the first decline in prescription drug prices in half a century, Um, the first new branch of the United States military since 1947, the Space Force. Well... What, $40 million to do what? I mean, I kind of hope Donald Trump becomes the commander-in-chief of the Space Force. We could launch him into outer space, and he could continue to campaign without his space helmet. From Moon Base One. <laughs> Maybe he can see what's uh, going on with that black opalisk on the moon. Um, I, You know, this Space Force thing is... It's one of those things. It's classic congressional pork that's thrown in the bill to get Donald Trump to sign the bill. So you know, it's, it's the actual money is kind of minor in a in a in a budget that's 
you know, a trillion and a half dollars of extended financing. Uh, this, by the way, is the Mitch McConnell methodology of governing. Uh, we just do continuing resolutions. Now, this has taken the, the American Congress through uh, September, the end of September, the fiscal year. And uh, one wonders what's going to happen in October before the election. Well, who knows? But let's remember that a year ago, it was Donald Trump, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, and Mitch McConnell that shut the government down right around this time. One of the reasons, by the way, that the government shut down (laughs) was that half the congressional delegation from the Republican Party had already left for Christmas. They weren't even in Washington anymore. Uh, So the idea that there's some urgency about these articles of impeachment being passed on, uh, I I don't buy it. Nobody cares. In fact, the country probably would benefit if there was no discussion of impeachment for two weeks. But who's on the Sunday talk shows all of a sudden? Mitch McConnell. (laughs) The woodchuck has returned. Well, after obstructing... You know, Schumer 400 bills. has promised to, uh, using uh, procedure and a pretty good tactical approach, uh, to raise the question of, of votes as the process unfolds in the Senate. Uh, they can request a vote at any time, uh, and that puts the pressure on uh, vulnerable Republicans up for re-election, uh, moderates who want to be seen to at least, you know, desire a, a fair process in which witnesses and documents are provided and put forward. Uh, so even when, whenever it should happen, uh, the articles are given in Mitch McConnell's sweaty little hands. Um, it's it's still going to be a bumpy ride in the Senate. Uh, Because there are a a number of senators who will be really hard-pressed to just say, no, we don't need any witnesses of any kind. We're just going to rubber stamp this sucker all the way through. Uh, Recent polls are showing that uh, I think it's 70 percent of Americans think that a fair trial should include witnesses and documents. Well, and Trump has even demanded it. In other words, one of the amazing things about this development... Uh, over the past couple of days, is there was a letter to the editor in the New York Times on the 4th of December that I find fascinating because it presciently uh, predicted exactly what we are now seeing. This was written uh, about uh, three weeks ago, a fellow from Wellington, Florida. He says, here is an interesting idea for the Democrats to ponder. Suppose President Trump is impeached and then Nancy Pelosi does not immediately send the case to the Senate, but instead declares that it would be wrong to hold a trial in the heat of an election year and that it could be picked up later. Of course, Mr. Trump would yell bloody murder about his right to a speedy trial, but this is uh, political, not a criminal matter, and no such right exists. Besides, didn't Mitch McConnell invoke the same in the Merrick Garland case? This would leave Mr. Trump twisting in the wind while the Dems pursued their winning kitchen table agenda. Of course, a Democratic victory would make the case moot, while a Democratic defeat 
would leave the option open to try and remove him. <laughs> so how prescient of this guy. And, of course, obviously that is a partisan letter. But uh, it anticipated exactly what we are now mm-hmm. witnessing. How interesting. Um, and, of course, Donald Trump is kind of twisting in the wind. Well, and he'll continue to damage himself yeah. another way. I mean, he can't not spaz out on the old Twitter box. Well, and look at his appearance in Michigan uh, on the night he was being impeached. Yeah, indeed. That was uh, kind of weird uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, you wonder, uh, chatting about it with a, a you know, a longtime friend and a native Detroiter, even on the west side of the state, there's a lot of respect for John Dingle. Yeah. And so uh, you could kind of hear the crowd reaction as a sort of a, ooh, sort of a moment when he made that, oh, maybe sure. he's looking up from hell. I, I don't know. Um, I and thought, Debbie Dingle, by the way, is our Congress indeed. Uh, representative here in Ann Arbor. Yeah. And her response, I thought, was was perfect. Uh, yeah. Talk about a perfect message. It wasn't the phone call with Zelensky. It was Debbie Dingle's response. Uh, emphasizing that, hey, my husband won these uh, honors and accolades um, over a career in public service. And this is my first Christmas without the man I love, and you've really hurt me. And he's buried in Arlington National he's Cemetery. buried in Arlington National you Cemetery. Know. He provided great service to his constituents through the years. Uh, as I mean, there's two things here really to mention. One, the idea that term limits are uh, a good idea is illustrated to be incorrect here because term limits actually limit democracy. You get a good public official, you you want to keep that public official uh, in your, uh, you know, serving your district. The other really telling thing about uh, Trump's comments vis-a-vis uh, this John Dingle funeral that I went out of my way to give him an A-plus ceremony and he got this and he got that and blah, blah, blah. And then she turns around and impeaches me. What the heck? The guy thinks in quid pro quo. Sure. That's another illustration of his transactional uh, concept of uh, governance. Hey, I did something for you. How come you didn't do the thing for me and vote against impeachment? When in point of fact, the thing that he did for uh, Debbie Dingell's deceased husband, John, was what any public, I mean, the job of the president is to go, oh, yes, this uh, public figure deserves uh, a military tribute, blah, blah, blah. These are the honors that we uh, afford uh, such a career in public service. It doesn't matter who they are or what party they're from. They get those honors. Sure. And that's, that's... he behaves as though, hey, I did this thing for right, you yeah. that I didn't have to do. Which uh, is baloney because, of course, it's, it, I mean, John Dingle was, in, quote, entitled to be buried in, at National uh, Arlington Cemetery. Um, and th- the other thing, you know, just, just, uh, it's, it's the, it's, it was the rest of the speech as well. You know, we're talking about a guy that's going on for two hours plus kind of trying to do a comedy routine, yeah. you know, a kind of a uh, twist and shout with the audience. You know, I'm going to yell this and you yell back at me and I'll bang my head and mess up my hair slightly and continue on. Well, I mean, this sort of performance is exactly what is wrong with Donald Trump's presidency. He just doesn't see things in any sane sort of way. It's all twisted. It's all about It's a clown show. 
It's 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 all about him. And I mean, even this this letter to uh, Nancy Pelosi, which is so heinous. I don't do imitations of H.W. Bush. I only do imitations of Dana Carvey doing. <laughs> well, the the, the, Bush. the final statement in uh, Trump's letter to uh, Pelosi: One hundred years from now, when people look back at this affair, I want them to understand it and learn from it, so that it can never happen to another president again. I don't think we're going to have to wait 100 years from now to look back on this and say this is something that should never happen again. Uh, Why the Republican Party allowed this man to attain the nomination, he was unvettable. Any background check into this guy would have raised dozens, if not dozens and dozens, of red flags. This guy should never have been the nominee. No. And so the Republican Party's failure here. They're stuck with this. They are stuck bozo. with this bozo. Yeah. And of course, you know, the notion that impeachment is going to be used frivolously is also false. Uh, Steny Hoyer, when he spoke on the on the floor and they gave him a little longer segment because he's the majority leader, noted that the um Democrats had voted against the impeachment of Trump on three other occasions for Mm -hmm. the most part, that this impeachment was not a main priority. And furthermore, I keep reminding people that Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House for the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency. And oh, by the way, the fact that the Republicans controlled the Congress on both sides refutes any notion that Donald Trump cared about corruption in the Ukraine. He had two years to talk about corruption in the Ukraine. He didn't do it. He got interested right after Joe Biden officially declared as a candidate. And while Joe Biden has his uh, flaws and we have no idea how this is going to turn out, I think that the impeachment is is a wash. I mean, it's clear that uh, Trump has benefited from a little bit of recovery within his base I might add, by the way, that he might have lost some of that base just a month ago when he got heavy-handed and and got himself involved in military matters involving court-martials and military discipline. There might have actually been some military people— I'm sure there were. —that finally said, wait a minute, (laughs) this guy is— This commander-in-chief has no concept of military discipline. He's a little funny in the head. Yeah, Yeah, he went, you know, funny— Funny. He's, you know, he needs to turn the music down. <laughs> With Trump, I think he needs to turn it up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 this is not going to be frivolously used. Look, the Senate, it, to remove the president, takes two-thirds. This is not something that routinely appears before Congress. Now, the, the differences between the Clinton impeachment and this impeachment, I keep... Being, uh, you know, when I went back and read a lot of the stuff, let's remember that this was used as a political cudgel by Newt Gingrich right before the uh, 1998 elections. Mm -hmm. This is how they got 31 Democrats to vote, not for the impeachment of Bill Clinton, but for an inquiry into the impeachment of Bill Clinton. After the Republicans took a beating in the election— wasn't an overwhelming beating, but uh, the facts are Bill Clinton did better in his sixth 
year of his presidency than any other president in quite some time. They lost seats. And what was the benefit of the of the impeachment? Newt Gingrich lost his seat. He was forced 